Kia ora welcome to another podcast of Real Gold, a podcast that looks into the archives and the tonga of Tambiki Pātaka Kōrere Auckland Libraries. I'm Honiwe Royal, I'm here today with Robert Edeweda, who's the Senior Māori Curator the Heritage Collection. It's Matariki time, and we've been looking into the collection, looking at some items and articles to deal with Matariki. And what do we know about it from some of the manuscripts uh, that we have in the collection? We've unearthed a particular letter from a very well-known rangatira of the 19th century. His name was Rewi Maniaputo, the fighting chief of Ngāti Maniaputo, a very famous figure in New Zealand history. And within his letter, there's some references to Matariki. And so, Robert, firstly, could you explain a bit about the context of the letter and how it came to be here in the collection at uh, Tamaki Pātaka Kōrero? The letter eventuated here uh, after the... 1875 um, gathering in Alexandra or te, or te, uh, te Kōpua. There they were gathering together after the confiscation of all the lands in um, 1863. Um, so it was a number of years later, so they were coming together politically at that time uh, to discuss um, opening the the Okati or the closing of Te Rohipotai in the sense of the region and the area of um, Waikato. So it was an important gathering uh, and the negotiations had gone on for a number of years and the letter is actually a deciphering of the metaphorical content comparing individuals to star constellations. So they were unable to decipher it at the time, um, and they sent it to Hopkins Clark. It's been sent to Karaka, um, who was also an undersecretary of Native Affairs at that time. So they had directed it to him, um, but they couldn't decipher it. So... They sent it through to Gray in the sense of what does this metaphorical expressions because he's part of the uh, the power structure of that metaphorical expression. So that's how it ended up um, here in the sense. It's an um, abstract of the original um, letter. Uh, that's probably um, down in Wellington amongst their many letters that they have. So there's a yet research to be done in the context of the rest of the letter. So that's how it originally came here. So what is it? What is it? Do you think that Rewi's pushing at here? What, what is he wanting from the government? Well, Rewi is a very astute and politically orientated um, rangatira, or ariki, if you're talking about Maniapoto. So um, he's aligning himself just like constellations, you know, of uh, rank and authority. Um, and those stars that he mentions and, and those constellations of stars are a kind of a ranking of top to bottom, you know, who's who and, and in the political realm in the sense. He aligns all his life, his, right through his life, to authority and power. And he bows down to nobody in the sense, even to Tafiao, and he has his maniopototanga, if you can say, you know, his haputanga is, is uh, very strong. 
So, you know, he's coming from aligning himself where he should be as, as an ariki or, you know, a chief. So you get in these letters, and there's a few in the Auckland Libraries and the Heritage Collection, there's an assertion with, with, with these letters from Rangatira of their own Rangatira tanga, isn't there? They, they, they never miss an opportunity to assert their own independence and their own authority when speaking for a particular iwi and hapu. Using these metaphors of matariki, um, there's been a huge resurgence, would it say, in matariki over the last 20-odd years. In that period, and we're talking about the late 19th century, is there a lot of reference to matariki as a period and as a, as a ritual and as a, a ceremony? There is a large corpus of um, imagery that is used in waiata chants and haka and each symbolising a specific transformation or change that's going on. Um, the metaphorical understanding it is, is even to use the constellations or, or the huihuinga o ngā whetu is to align yourself with grandeur. Um, a proverb, ano te huihuinga o ngā whetu, marungara. There's the greatness surrounding all of us. So to become part of it and link to it is, 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 is it was common amongst our people and many other First Nations people throughout the world in the sense of uh, relating to that, again, aligning themselves with grandeur and greatness and... Um, but that probably also say reminds you of your place in the universe and creation itself and in the cosmos. They remember, hey, you're just mm. quite insignificant in the terms of um, making you feel small in the grandeur of the whole scope of the universe and cosmos. It's, that's the true term of what they use for the word for humility these days is to hakaitine, to make yourself small. So under that grandeur of um, the universe and cosmos surrounding you, you're reminded that you're only a little piece compared to everything around you. So Matariki and many of the others, Tawera, uh, Rehua, all the different stars are aligning with symbolism that each of those stars uh, represent. Um, and which is common, I could say that's common and generic amongst First Nations people is, it's it, what they really haven't touched on these days is the alignment with the solstice, eh? So this is actually aligning not with the new year, but really the winter solstice. Not many people are talking about aligning with the summer solstice, the winter solstice, the spring. Yet the maramataka tells them that they knew of the seasonal changes. But what they haven't yet come to understand that it actually is trying to hit close to the winter solstice, the, sh the shortest and the longest day. Um, so there has been a revival because it has been displaced by many. Um, and those that have revived it recently in the sense, they're actually documented in older, older records like Hongi in them, Stowell, 
he, you know, and different ones that were examined many years before now about star constellations and the name listings of them. So that was quite an interesting journey to say, hey, those names are all there, you know, like all the names of Matariki, uh, the constellation of Matariki. Matariki is only one of the stars amongst. Now there are nine of them that they identify as part of it, where it was seven, seven sisters. And, um, so the development in that is coming to understand those knowledges that have been displaced uh, by some and records being left within certain uh, places and manuscripts such as uh, uh, in our collection and other collections. So that uh, revitalization of it and this part of a journey of them understanding what it was all about in the sense of that. Uh, personally, I align with Rehua, which is a for me, I, I complained about, oh, why the hell would you want to have a new year in winter? Um, to me, the festive time was the summer solstice, which is under Rehu as far as I know. And that's where you have the, um, the first fruit, which is kind of relates to the religious things. Those were taken to the, you know to the um, altars and to the special places and those fruits were offered and thanks for, and then they have a big kai, you know, harvest time and then have a, it's a shared time of working together and then also um, feasting. So uh, that's always quirked me in, in the sense of that. Um, but Matariki to me would be, uh, which is really kind of a family time because it's so freezing outside and you stay inside and it's very communal around the fire um, and, you know, it's time to talk about things and to discuss things, you know, uh, and sing songs and learn signs. So, so it was a time from how I understand it from through my people at home, is that it was more of a communal time where you could, and it was a time of reflection of those that had gone, you know, or had passed away within that time period. And some didn't even celebrate it, you know, to be very honest about it, eh, you know. Uh, yes. It appears every year, as uh, Dr. Rangi Matamu says, you know, my corridor was Tuhoi corridor. Right. Kahununu have their own corridor. Rokawa's got their own corridor. But what I think you can take right across the borders, A, for many various reasons, and it's come through colonisation, is that our rituals and our ceremonies have been aligned to a northern hemisphere mindset. And then we need to recalibrate, really, into the world and the environment that we um, experience in Aotearoa like we see all the imagery around winter and summer when it's our hottest, is a classic example. And I think understanding Matariki and what it means, you know, and the symbols of renewal. And it's just interesting at this time, we've all been through a big lockdown around the COVID-19, is some of the qualities you're talking about are actually what we've just, in a way, there's been a downside, but the, but the upside has actually been that time for people to go inside, spend time with their loved ones, talk amongst themselves and I think there's an element of that in what we're looking and seeking for as a, as a community from Matariki. Exactly. And it's interesting that you say we take a northern hemisphere and yet our skies are totally different in the southern hemisphere. It's the opposite reflection in the sense of the equator and everything. 
Uh, Matariki, you know, what I understand is the most important thing about that was to see whether it's going to be a fruitful year or a lean year. You know, there's that constant by reading these certain constellations and different constellations uh, from canvassing the views of the other hapu and the, um, the information that's there, they tend to pick specific stars. And what I found interesting was that those that are by the shore would choose a certain different constellation because you want to see uh, the, the sea. You just have the sea in front of you and when that star comes up, they're watching which way that star comes up in that horizon and which way the light is reflecting or shining from it. They're, they're, they're indicating that if it, if it flashes towards the north, then it's going to be a good year. If it flashes to, to the south, then it's going to be a lean year. So you, if you've got mountains and trees around there, this is hell, you're not going to go see the star coming up from the thing. For you have to go to where, you know, te pai nuku or te whenua, te pai rangi hoki, you know. You have to go to the horizons, you know, to see, see that sort of thing. So... Um, and to think that everybody went there, I don't think so. You know, the tohungas or the people who want to see and who are the experts and then tell the people, hey, I read the signs, you know. And it could be the other constellations, you know. Uh, there seems to be a... Having gathered this information, different star names, different same names for the different stars in different areas. So it's kind of, you know, just canvassing and one has to be cautious. So I stay with my northern star names, you know. So I keep myself safe in, in, in the sense of that. And, um, and I think everyone or everyone else from other regions would do that too and stick to um, their own informants in the sense of the body of that. But there's some beautiful um, information that has come out. Um, but I still stick with in my people. Well, kia ora, Rob. Thank you for talking to us today. Uh, kanui te mihi kia koe. Kia ora.